I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. This is the kind of thing that Paul warned against. Uh, don't exactly. say that you're of Apollos. Don't say that you're of Paul. Um, we're of Christ. But at the same time, I, I get what what's so important. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't ignore the comment. <laughs> so, uh, flowers fall. We call the bouquet. <laughs> there you go. There well, if you're going to put, I haven't a plug heard in, that one before. If you're going to put a plug in for provisionism, I I think that's that's not named after a person, and that is what provision is all about. It's God's provision for all people. Um, divergent theology. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but um, he's saying that we made his first their first episode. Um, I'm curious. Divergent theology. Maybe you could comment on the side chat. Are y'all Calvinists who are doing a uh, theology podcast, or are you? non-Calvinist of some sort or some breed. Um, forgive me if you've already told me this and I've forgotten, but uh, there are a lot of podcasts out there. And so I've, sometimes I forget who's who, but maybe you can introduce who you are um, on the side chat before we close here. Now I like oh, Michael Patton. Provisionism, and I, add, I actually added that to my own self-declaration. You know, I call myself an evangelical fundamentalist, Baptistic dispensationalist. Uh, I, I think, yeah, dispensationalist, provisionalist. <laughs> compassionate Christian. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to put it right there. That's good. I need to write that down. Um, it kind of goes from general to smaller, smaller category. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, Divergent, Michael Pat, you say me, but who's me? Uh, I, I don't think your given name is Divergent Theology. So <laughs> you have to tell me who me is. My, Michael Patton, I know. Um, that would be a great podcast to listen to. So, hey, we're giving a plug for it sounds like you got a Calvinist and non-Calvinist. Now we've had Michael Patton on here before. Um, and uh, we will uh, probably have him again sometime. He's a, he's, he's a good Calvinistic guy and he seems real reasonable. He's actually written articles uh, confronting Calvinist on a lot of things like calling the calling tulip, the gospel. Uh, he's, he, he comes down pretty hard on Calvinist for calling tulip, the gospel. Uh, and uh, he's, he seems to be uh, uh, pretty reasonable. That's really good. Yeah. Samson. Okay. I don't know that I've had a uh, pleasure of meeting you, Samson. So good to meet you uh, via side chat and good luck on the podcast. Uh, I, I look forward to listening to it. Um, it sounds like I, it sounds like Brian, you and I made their first podcast. So wow. praise the Lord. Hope, maybe hope. we'll, we'll, I'll go listen to that when I get a chance. So uh, we'll, we'll see if you, you do a good job <laughs> representing us with Michael Patton. So <laughs> All right. God bless, guys. I'm going to go eat. I'm hungry. God bless, guys. Bye-bye. Be good. I mean, if I had better lighting, I can adjust this to make it brighter, but it looks really weird. It's fine. It's fine. As long as you... So you're over the corona now? I don't have to wear this? (laughs) Yeah. I would still be careful. We don't know enough about about it. I mean, I, I...
you would not want to get the stuffy nose I had. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. All right. Well, our whole family got it. Our entire family. Yeah. So you got the antibodies now and everything. You guys are all you're invincible. I guess. I mean, that's what they say. So <laughs> we'll see. So, that's um, all I got. I mean, I I got something I can throw out there afterwards if we need to do another one. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think so because we have a lot to go over because this is going to yeah. spill into also our conception of the church. Okay. Um, and, and just kind of that understanding and where we kind of left off before one thing that we were talking about, the kind Wait of, a minute, are we doing the program? Yeah. Yeah, are we're, we in? yeah. We're in it now. We're just, well, hi there. everybody. Golly. Come on. <laughs> I wanted to introduce my dog. Hey, Ollie, Ollie, All right. Ollie, wake up. Get Ollie Check this out. All right. Everybody. You're going to wait. I don't know if you're going to be able to see him. Oh, I see him. Yeah. You see him? Ollie, come here. Come on. You're supposed to be on the show. Come on. Come on. Well, you are uh, just not, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> okay. I'll make sure that he has a, He's not that good a, mood. a cameo there. So. Yeah. Hey, Ollie's famous, you know, from Camaro Theologian, because Camaro Theologian is watched worldwide by everybody. I, golly, we, we can't, you, I can't even express how busy I'm with Camaro Theologian. I bet you seem like you've been pretty busy. Like, I'm just, I was just kidding about that. Dropping a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, you, yeah. you've been, you've been um, promoting oh, a lot yeah. of blogs. Been it's been you've busy been, with Credo House. Credo House has been going crazy. Yeah. And it's good. It's been good, though. It's been good. It's been good reentry, and it was very encouraging because, uh, you know, as you probably saw in the, maybe an email I sent, uh-huh. yeah. I've been very, very timid, scared, insecure, and a lot of things ever since I had that drug problem a few yeah, years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's nice to have so many people write you back and kind of encourage you and tell you stories. I read every single one of them, and there, I mean, it was just great. It really was it's the best thing I could have ever had. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And it came after it came after really. I'll tell you the worst morning I ever had, the most fearful morning I ever had. I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. I was very scared, and I was like, "This is the worst morning. This is this is where." I'm, I'm directionless in so many ways, but it helped. Anyway, let's get yeah. to the topic. All right, we can get to the topic. I mean, but what's I can this, say. What's this program called? I can't remember. Divergent uh, Theology. Uh, divergent Theology. That's it. Well, we're going to diverge on stuff because no matter how down you get, Michael, you always remember your baptism. Isn't that what Paul it. tells us? That is it. That is it. I mean, okay. it was like, uh, tell Timothy the same thing. Yeah. And that. so what does that mean? That's what we're going to be talking about. What does that mean? It's going to spill over into how we understand the church. And you said something kind of shocking last time. Um, Shocking to me, rather. Tell me what I said. I can't even remember. You said, I've never really looked into paleo-baptism. Yeah. I've never really considered it. And that kind of shocked me because um, having studied the theology program with you, you know, years ago and, and going through that, and, you know, you did your best to kind of represent all views. You know, yeah. and I was kind of surprised when you said that. And and so I wanted to kind of delve a little bit more into. No, wait a minute. I don't remember saying that because I'm sitting there right now and I'm like, I have to. Yeah, you said it. I said it. Let you me think. Okay, paleo baptism. Let's think what I meant by that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and most of it, most of it was our context, which I would have said that in. Anyway, that know. doesn't matter, right? But that doesn't matter for the program. Well, because gonna... I want to kind of get in because because it, it does tie into the church a bit, and the, and the topic I was talking about is you know is baptism really about the individual or is it more about the act of the church? So we're going to kind of you know work through this in understanding what what do we mean within um, covenant theology? What do we mean you know within baptism? Within what what yeah. is what is the role of the church? That that type stuff. And I'm actually going to bring in a parallel of marriage yeah. later on to, to, okay. to show this, how baptism is like marriage into the church. And, yeah. um, and so, yeah, when you, when you threw that out of me, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should talk about that a little bit. And one of the, one of the, I'll just say this, one of the classic ways of understanding covenant theology is through circumcision, through the right of circumcision, yeah. uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's how a lot of people explain it. And they say, um, in the same way... So the subject right now is covenant theology, right? Or is this a preface to the baptism? Well, it's 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 a preface to the baptism because the way I understand covenant theology, baptism plays a, a part within that, within that covenant yeah. understanding. This is why you, you really can't divorce it from the church. You can't remove it, which is something else. And some stuff I want to ask you about evangelicalism that I never really understood. And, okay. and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. But so within the covenant of, um, circumcision, what's going on is God is making a covenant with his people through circumcision. And he's actually making that covenant individually as well as corporately. Yeah. Now circumcision we know is done with infants. Okay. So the question of, can God make a covenant with infants is, you know, completely off the table now because it's obvious. Yes, he, he does. Um, but here's something that I wanted to kind of ask just to kind of, I, I want to kind of get, I want to see where you're at. I want to see okay. where the evangelical church is. I think that you're a good representative of, you know, the evangelical church. Well, and, I diverge a bit. You, the, we yeah, might have diverged with theology if I didn't. But I'm going to diverge is, on this one. But I was I was a member of an evangelical church for 10 years. And what yeah. I noticed is that baptism was like the sacred cow of evangelicalism. Yeah. Like yeah. it was to the point where it was only a, a adult baptism, only, you know, uh, a credo Baptist. And um, it was b besides marriage, actually, marriage was the other one. But it was the one thing that you didn't mess with. And that you yeah. didn't really discuss in the church to the point where I remember somebody wanting to be baptized and he was actually having uh, marital problems at the time. Him and his wife were yeah. fighting over things and he was really struggling with a with a personal sin that was going on in it. And the pastor refused to baptize him because he said, I'm not going to make a mockery out of, bap out of baptism. Yeah. And I thought that that was really, really strange to to deny someone baptism because they were actually openly open openly confessing to their pastor I'm struggling with a sin. Yeah. yeah. Now if he would have just shut his mouth, if he would have never made it known, if he would have never sought help, if he would have never, you know, sought the family of the church out to help him, he would they would have baptized him. Yeah. And so in the world of evangelicalism there, it, like what why why is baptism so guarded that it's almost like a, a preparationism needs to come first before well, sometimes i feel like i feel like this i feel like it's guarded yes it's guarded in its in our uh non-discussion of like you said of any other options because it's i think it's it i think most people are blindly committed to it you know and haven't really looked at 
why you, you baptize. I, mean, I guess it makes sense to them first, but it doesn't. They never really get presented with the historical view, you know, the mm-hmm. the uh, paleo baptism view. And so they come from a Baptist tradition. You've got you know so many Bible churches extending from this tradition as well, and they're all gonna. They're all. Paleo-Baptist, and that's where evangelicalism is found so much because it created the fundamentalist church, which spilled into the evangelical church, and then all of a sudden it just kind of took over a lot of different, uh, you know, in the 18th century, Mm -hmm. 19th century, excuse me, so many different denominations, and it has been something that has been assumed by evangelicals. And so I don't know uh, exactly why the, the evangelicals would hold it so sacred because this, and here's the thing that would confuse me, is most of the times I go, I was the head of baptism at Stonebrook Community Church, and okay. so I was responsible for doing all the baptisms, teaching all the baptisms, and I had to ask all the questions, you know, how do, what age do we do it, what, what, are, the, what are the parameters, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, now, yeah. At Stonebriar, it was a little bit different because Chuck can be very gracious on certain things, you know, and kind of Chuck Swindoll, excuse me, that yeah, was yeah. our head pastor, and he can be very gracious on things, and he, he just kind of re-asked the question himself, what do you think, you know, and let's let's study it together, and we'll, let's start anew, and let's figure this out, and so that was really kind of cool, of course, you know, I mean, to be able to do that, and to kind of start it from scratch with, with you know, 20 different pastors contributing their thoughts, and um, and that's where we were at. And so whenever I was going through it and doing this and I was studying myself, I was like, gosh, I never knew this stuff. I never knew any of this stuff. I don't know. I don't know that we really know in the evangelical church what our baptism is about. So it's sacred. Did, you ever, did you ever talk about Conrad Grable? Well, I've talked about him before in history and his. I, I mean, his... I mean, in, within that conversation, because that was a real odd way of, of the Anabaptist movement. Sorry, in the way that in the way that he baptized yeah, I, I don't know the way he baptized. Tell me about it. He sprinkled. That's what was really weird about it. Um, I, I'd have to I'd have to grab the book on my shelf to find out the name. But a priest came to him who wanted to go with the Anabaptist movement, and they were breaking off from Zwingli because they didn't think Zwingli was going far enough. And the priest asked Comrade Grable to rebaptize him, and yeah. they went to the fountain in the middle of town, and Grable baptized him by sprinkling. Because it was more about the rebaptizing than than the mode or the method yeah. that that seemed yeah. to come come along a little bit later. But there's there's this real big disconnect between what the church was doing, um, not only at that time but even historically. Because when you say you know historically, when you go back, really, paleo and uh, believers' baptism, sprinkling and immersion are constant through mm. the entire history of the church. It's not like mm. one came first and then there was another. It's like they yeah. they both came up together, but we yeah. we just tend to emphasize what makes us look good. You know, yeah. so but I know that a lot of the Anabaptist traditions and the Baptist traditions came out of what Conrad Grable did. And yeah. and and it was just so kind of murky on exactly why. It seemed more of a rebellious thing than an yeah. actual you know, like like bringing in or any type of covenant or any type of like meaning besides defiance. Yeah. And so that's why I was wondering if if when you were talking about that and talking about kind of where it started and what it means, um, how how did we get to the point where 
you know, it, it kind of is like the, the sacred cow in, in, in the way that you're, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to call it that. That, I mean, that sounds very uh, rude, you know, for, for me to well, say. Well, I don't that, think any, but I don't but, think most Baptists would care. Evangelical Baptists would care you calling it that, you know, well, I, let, let's just say that more, more, they look at it more of a, a top shelf or let me say it like that. Yeah. Uh, rather than a sacred cow, because that's just that's just negative w- with it. Yeah. But a very top shelf ordinance that this is something that is very, um, you know, very special because uh, it is so tied in to salvation. Yeah. And even and even if it's not like something that you know justifies you or anything like that, it's that it's that confession. It's that. Well, I mean, that, that it, what, isn't it special? I mean. Why is it not that special? Well, well, Why is it not a special ordinance? I mean, we don't have many ordinances, so we, we can make them all special, can't we? Well, uh, but you don't do the same thing with communion. So, for example, anybody, regardless of, of their, their stance or their sin or anything, like I've never heard of anybody in an evangelical church being denied communion. Yeah. I've never heard of that, but I have heard people being denied baptism. Yeah. Oh, hey there, everyone. Did you know that it has not been scientifically proven that you become closer to God by listening to these podcasts or watching these videos? That's right. Science has nothing to do with this, but you are increasing your knowledge about God. Hopefully you are engaging your brain with us and thinking, "Ah, I disagree with these guys or I really like what they're saying. Either way, continue to listen and continue to watch and really stretch your mind, engage your mind for Christ. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Um, you can check out our websites at thetheologypit.com or credohouse.org, and you can get tons of great merchandise like this. Now, buying these mugs and t-shirts is not going to keep you out of purgatory, but, you know, do you really want to take that chance? I sure don't. Oh, that's good theology right there. And so, I, and that's why I would say that baptism's top shelf, and marriage is with it too. I mean, marriage should be another ordinance in the even because yeah. the way they treat it, there are people that they say, if you before you're married are living with your fiance, they won't marry you. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? You think that they're 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 living in sin, and you can actually stop that by marrying them, but you refuse yeah. to do so. So yeah. it's like you know. So when I say top shelf, I, I really mean that that baptism I, I think is like the highest. Uh, the, the way that it's viewed is, is yeah. higher than the other ordinances. Well, didn't we talk last time about baptism and about, you know, the possibility of doing it other ways besides even using water? Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. And, and even using this. I mean, it's it's something that's definitely worth exploring. I mean, mm-hmm. all of the ordinances, and when you say the word ordinance, what, what what do we hear by that? We hear two. You know, that's it. We, we have the number two, and that's it. And we say... That's that's all there can be. You say, well, yeah. why? And we say, because, you know, that's that's our best answer. That's we it, have yeah. Because most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, there's a lot of evangelicals who can defend this very good. I don't mean to mean to act like, you know, you know, nobody knows what they're talking about with this. But generally speaking, yeah, I see I see people just not knowing really what anything means, except for in the Baptist church. I teach it a kind of even because the Church of Christ has moved a lot more evangelical in the last Gosh, twenty years, excuse twenty years alone. But they're they're yeah. becoming more evangelical. But I've I've been in those situations that I teach regularly, actually at Church of Christ on Wednesday nights, or I, ha- I have been in the past, but it's it stopped a few months ago. But um, and, and we we have talked about this, and I see that kind of the, they're they're 
devotion to baptism and that you don't touch that as well. Um, but the Baptist church is the primary one I think you, you're probably talking about. Bible churches don't really see it quite so much of a sacred cow or, you know, however you want to put it. It's something that can be very much forgotten about. Well, my, my experience about people being denied was from an evangelical free church. Yeah. Not a, not a Baptist church. Well, evangelical free. I think if you're evangelical free, you are going to be in a, the, the thing about evangelical free is if you're in it, you probably know why you're in it. You know what I mean? It's not something that's really, uh, really uh, that much that people uh, understand. Well, Everybody's going to ask what that means. Nobody's going to ask what Baptist means. Nobody's going to ask what Presbyterian means. You find an evangelical free church, and you're like, what does that mean? And then you really think through things in a different way. And so that's what I found, at least with evangelical free. And therefore, maybe those types of things do become. Well, uh, see, the thing is, is I, I mean, because I was part of an evangelical free church for 10 years. It's where I started teaching a theology program and, and yeah. doing all that. What, what um, is the theology program? What's that? What, what theology program. Just write down the word theology program to remember me on screen whenever I'm rewatching this to go check out the website at credohouse.org. All right. Hey, if you want to do a commercial now, go ahead and shoot it. <laughs> you, you could do it right now. I'll splice That's it all right. I'm no. not prepared for a commercial. But, but, um, but the, thing, the thing about it was that they didn't major in the minors. Like that was really their big thing. So you could be a Calvinist there. You could be an Arminian there. You could be a dispensationalist. You could be Mm -hmm. a covenantalist. Like they didn't, you know, they were like, look, as long as you, you know, agree with our statements. But they majored in that, huh? Yes, they did. And that Mm. was the thing because I asked them because when I was there, they wouldn't baptize my children. Was it an evangelical free thing or your particular church thing? It was, um, I, I, you know what? I couldn't tell you. I, I would, because the statement of faith was, um, well, you know, remember with, Chuck was evangelical free for 20 years before he came to Frisco. Okay. Well, this is from the, uh, evangelical free church of America. So we would have yeah. to look up, you know, exactly what they, what they say, but I'm pretty sure that their statement of faith like came directly from that. But, yeah. um, but I remember when I had my kids and they were young and I, I asked the one pastor if he would baptize them you know, cause I was a paleo Baptist and yeah. he squirmed and squirmed and squirmed because he, he yeah. knew me, he knew me theologically. He knows that um, I'm not coming in this lightly. I don't know what I'm not you know, talking about. Like it was, you know, one of those things and he was just having a difficult time with it. And I, I said, you know what? I know that even if we did, it, it, we wouldn't be allowed to do it here. And so um, I asked a friend of mine who's a Lutheran, uh, pastor and and you know so I had my children baptized as a Lutheran. Yeah. Now now they have a little L tattooed in their eye and you know they can never get away yeah. from stuff. That's why. Oh hey, it's going dark. Did you lose? Did I lose some light? Yeah, you lost some. There you go. There we go. But um, you know and that's like that's why Reformation Sunday is always very you know uh, yeah. important to us because they that's when they were baptized also. But um, uh, but yeah, so this whole thing with being an evangelical free church and just how open it was and how, you know, they were okay with pretty much everything except for baptism. Mm. Now you're saying, whatever you say, okay with though, are you saying um, that they're open to other views and people being able to believe other things, but why specifically with the practice of baptism, they're not open to other views. Yeah. Well, right. you got to understand. Let me let me make an argument for you. Okay, sure. You got to understand it's a practice. Yeah. I mean, here, here's what you could do. You could say we're open to uh, people speaking in tongues, but I personally don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we're going to have the congregation go this way. And then somebody comes up and says, "Hey, while you're preaching, I, I got a message I think from God, and can I do that?" 
Well, while he's open to it, he's got a, kind of a system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a system true. that's going. That may be some of it, but with baptism, I mean, you could you could make allowances. You know, if as long as your church did not hold to one or the other. If you say in our doctrinal statement we are going to have nothing about baptism, and I don't know whether your church did or not, then yes, you mm-hmm. you need to have that allowance of uh, paleo baptism. But if you say in your church statement, and our uh, you know evangelical free. They probably have some type of general church statement that they that they uh, will use, and I imagine it has baptism in it. Yeah, now, our yeah. church did, and every church that I've been to has that's evangelical. And now, uh, you know, whenever I look at the ones that you say that are open, gosh, I I haven't really been to that many that are open. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been <laughs> no it's open been on a... anything. Open on anything. I mean, Sam, I'm not just talking oh, about baptism. Okay. They're just. I've been to a lot of hardline churches, except for Stonebriar. You know, Stonebriar yeah. was great. I mean, we were open, but we weren't open to baptism. You can baptize, you can speak in tongues, you can, you know, do. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's that's. I don't want to. That is that'd be a straw man. I almost said you can't do uh, gay marriage, but that'd be no. Yeah. I don't mean that. I mean it's just but, you know the things that are optional. Uh, yeah. Whenever they're in practice, you don't really find them. Uh, available in church, you know? Yeah. And see, this is like, this is like a dozen years ago that I'm talking about because this yeah. church has seemed to move on to where like they changed their name. They're going more emergent. If, yeah. if emergent church is still a thing, but they're trying to capture it, they're trying to go that mega church, that big, you know, and everything like that. Um, and so I think that, you know, evangelical free is becoming a tagline in their name and that may disappear at, at some yeah. point. Um, yeah. I know, I know that a lot of the pastors have left and stuff like that, but, and anyways, um, that just really, it, it's just so interesting how much emphasis was just put on something that they say really isn't that important. And here, here's another thing. Here's something else that's kind of weird. Um, churches that do hold that the waters of baptism, that it, that it is, it's a sacrament, not an ordinance, that there is a dispensation of grace that, that, you know, is there like in the Anglican church. Um, a a friend of mine, he's, uh, he was just approved for ordination. He's going to be a priest, uh, ordained as a priest pretty soon. And he's from, um, South Carolina. And he said that the church that he was, was sent from, uh, to come up here to seminary, that they did baptisms in the ocean. Yeah. And, and he always asked. I did a baptism in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, yeah, I know, ago. I know. But he, but here's the thing, but you. It was cold. But yeah. Cold. But, but you don't, you do not bless the water when no. you do it. They no. do. It was already because, blessed. Because it was already blessed. God, the, God made it. The water has to be blessed by a bishop. I mean, that's just part of the, the, the tradition. Yeah. That's what yeah, makes sure. holy water, holy water. Well, he always asked, um, how far does that reach? Because are the people swimming over there? Did they just get baptized? Yeah. Like, like what, like what, where's the magic of it? You know, <laughs> so, sort of, I mean, and, and that, <laughs> and that, you know, and it kind of, it does bring that into question, you know, what exactly sure. is going on here? Yeah. But he, and I, I don't want to say his name because he does get kind of in trouble with this. He's more Thomas Cramner than um, Anglican. Uh, yeah. If you, if you know that founding, um, he is much more of a receptionist when it comes to the sacraments that yeah. it's, it's, you know, you are receiving the grace that God has for you as long as you're believing that you're receiving it, it doesn't matter the, the, the state of the elements or the state of the person administering it. This is between you and God. So that's more like receptionist, um, understanding here. But, um, but it's, it, it does bring up that question like baptism and and in Protestantism, it, it has this special place, but 
why? Because we, we, we fight about it like it is salvific. We really do. And we'll divide on this issue. We'll get in heated debates over it. But if you come down the brass tacks, people will say, well, it doesn't really have anything to do with this doesn't save you. And I've, I've been, and and being Presbyterian, this puts me in a weird place because I've, I've heard this from a lot of Presbyterian ministers and, and even our, um, uh, our, our presbytery and our synod is not. 100% 100% clear, as clear as I would like them to be on this. And, and I've kind of wanted to get to the point where I wanted to ask, are we any, are we little more than Baptists that sprinkle? I mean, really the way that we look at it, is there any type of uh, meaning behind just an individual, you know, getting wet or, or doing something, or is there something else that's going on? Yeah. And I think that there's something else that's going on that is much bigger than just the individual. I think what that what do you think is going on? Well, that the church is a part of this. That this is this is kind of what I'm getting at. That it's the, you, the you, church that you baptized. Think that the, it's a grace that's given to the church that that moves into the you know gives people the ability to grace the uh, baptism. I think that it's it's the identifying factor of a church that it actually is a faithful believing church because it baptizes. Okay, so it's the identifying fact uh, fa- uh, of a local church, right? So mm-hmm. you, you you have to get baptized in order to belong to it, and therefore the baptism itself is for the, the church, not for the individual so much. You said that last time. Yes, correct. And so what I kind of want to want to drive at here and is— And I like that. I do. I'm still thinking yeah. about that. Well, because I want to drive at, like, if you ever hear of a church that doesn't baptize, they never do. It's not yeah. part of their thing. Yeah. Would you say— well, you question, is that a church? Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. Gosh, I mean, we're questioning everything right now with this COVID stuff, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got so many friends and so many people who have backed out of church for so long, they're not really getting back into what they were before. They're saying, you know, I got to this place and I, tried, I started asking the question, what is church? And what does it, what yeah, does it matter yeah. since I've started finding these other avenues? We do this online stuff. Of course we're not.